0: Uh, the word in 1 Samuel chapter 30, 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1, it says, Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag and the, on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, I said first service, that was his first problem. He had two wives. They had had been taken captive and now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I want to read that again. David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I believe there's a strength coming on the body today. I said, I believe there's a strength that's coming upon today's church. Amen. He strengthened himself. It's coming upon the church today. And then David said to Abathar, the, the priest, bring back the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Verse 16. And when he had brought uh, him down, there they were, spread out over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered it all. Then David took all the flocks, the herds they had driven out before those other livestock, and said, this is David's spoil. Touch your neighbor this morning and say, I want my stuff back today. Look at your other neighbor and say, and then some. I don't know about you, I not only want what the devil has stolen from me, but I want more than he has stolen from me. amen I don't know about you, but I not only want, no, I don't only want what he what I used to have. I want something that God has for me in the future. The devil has had my stuff for far too long. Anybody there he's had your joy, he's had your peace, he's had your house, he's had your marriage. but today I'm declaring that today we're getting our stuff back. Can I get an amen today? Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning believing in faith that you are not finished yet. And I'm declaring over this house that today is a recovery season. We are stepping into the recovery room this morning. I pray right now that this word goes forth. It takes root into the hearts, the lives, and the minds, and the soul of your people And it's like fire shut up in their bones today. And I give you all the honor and all the glory and all of the praise. And Legacy Church said amen this morning. Amen. Amen. I want you to understand here that the Bible says that the Amalekites surprised the city that was left unguarded. Here at Legacy, it's a beautiful thing because we have so many people who are new to the faith. We have so many people that have been saved over the last few years, the last couple of years, I believe, uh, over two years now. We're, we're looking at almost 300 souls that's been saved here on a Sunday morning. 300 people, new people, coming to Jesus. So we have a lot of new people, some people not raised in church, some people really knowing nothing, some people that are coming back to the church. We also have a lot of seasoned saints who've who've been in the church all their life. They know the word. They they, they pray and they fast and they know what God is speaking to them. But one thing I want you to understand is uh, that, that, that no matter when you got saved, but the day that you got saved, and that may be today for somebody in this room, but the day that you were saved you not only got peace but you also got war in your life as soon as you got saved the devil put a target on your family and on your house and when you got saved not only did you get the prince of peace but you also got the principalities of powers of darkness and dark places that is after you and your family amen as this chapter opens this morning, we see a man named David. Uh, David was a, a great man. He was a man of God's favor. He had an anointing upon his life. The oil had been poured upon him. He, But out, although throughout the favor and looking through the anointing that was on his life, he found himself in such a horrific battle. And David and his men had just happened to be away from their area of operation. The, the, the army was camped out here. It was like their headquarters, if you will. They were there. It was their area of operation in Ziklag. And when the Amalekites came in and stole their possession, it literally wrecked their families. They stole their their wives, their their children, their possession, and literally burned down everything. If you don't, if you haven't understood this, just I say this a lot, and sometimes I may say it so much that you feel, yeah, I've heard that before. But I really want you to get this in your head, in your spirit, because. Because the devil is after your house. The devil is after your house. Your house represents your legacy. Your house represents your past, what you're in now, and your future. Your house is your children. It's everything that you have. And the devil is after your house. He's after your legacy. So the enemies came into this place called Ziklag. And whenever you look at the word Ziklag, the definition given for it means winding or bending. Or wandering around it is often that people find themselves in a season of, of, of winding and bending and wandering they are often uh, they are often wandering around uh, with, with, without a vision they're wandering around wondering God what are you doing with me here God when is this door going to open door uh, God when when when, uh, when when would my healing come God when will you provide for me God when will I give get the job and so often it is in that season that we find ourselves in like David and his men when they were away the word says that the amalekites came in and took possession of it a reason for that is because there was no guard looking after the city they were all off. They were all distracted in a season of winding and wandering when you are in a season of uncertainty and questioning and and trying to find your way when you are in a place of questioning and looking for the will of God in your life. Listen, you better be on guard because that is the exact place in the exact time when the devil will try to come in and distract you and steal what you have in your house. Understand this, that anything that you leave unguarded, the enemy will come after it. Anything that you leave out in the open that's not covered in prayer, that's not covered in blood, that's not covered in the Holy Spirit, anything that you leave out, the enemy will come after it. He'll come after your home, he'll come after your children, he'll come after your job, he'll come after your peace. Anything that you leave unguarded, he will come after. First Thessalonians 5 6, just jot it down. It says, so be on your guard. Uh, not asleep like the others, but stay alert and clear-headed. Don't be wandering. Don't be bending. But stay on guard. Listen. If there's if, if if there's a part of your life that is not guarded, it is like an open invitation to Satan to come to come into and steal it and destroy it and ruin the moment. You've got to guard your family. You've got to guard your mind. You've got to guard your integrity. You've got to uh, guard your morals. You've got to guard. Guard your marriage. Proverbs said to guard your heart. Why? Because whatever is not guarded, the devil will steal from you. Can I get an amen this morning? You've got to get to the place where the church has got to get to the place where we let the devil know I am guarded by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've got to tell the devil something. there's still power in the blood of Jesus Christ. Devil, you don't want to mess with me. I'm a child of God. Devil, you don't want to mess with me. I'm filled with the Spirit. You've got to let the devil know you've got a guard around you. You've got to guard it. If you If, if you want it to last, you've got to guard it. If you cherish that thing, you've got to guard it cuz what is not guarded will be stolen by the enemy the place there it was it did not have a guard on site and they went in and they kidnapped their families they took the families back to their own land and put them in a state of captivity we are in a season where hell is trying to steal from the church trying to steal fire from the altar trying to steal the oil that's been placed on the bride's head. Trying to steal our voice of influence that we have in the world. And while and, and, and while he's trying to steal it, a way that we guard ourselves is, 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 is by the way that we live. If I live according to the word, I will know the difference between a friend and a foe. If I am praying, living a life of prayer, when he speaks to me, I will know the difference in the sound of his voice and Satan's voice. This is why the church is being called to a state of holiness. Holiness is never a popular topic. It never gets people shouting. Sometimes it makes people like, I don't want to ever go back again because you're talking about a state of living. You're talking about correcting the way That you are. We are in this season where he's trying to steal it. But God is calling us to holiness to guard ourselves. Because whenever you are living in this state of holiness, that means that you know, Satan, I'm not going to play with you. Whenever you are living in a state of holiness, it means, Satan, I will not fall into your temptation today. When you get out of the bed in the morning and you rise up in a state of holiness, you say, you know what? Whatever the Bible calls a sin, It is a sin. I'm not going to bait it. I'm not going to try to explain it away. Why? Because I'm living by the word, and in the word, it is written. Holiness is living according to the word, not the world. And the problem that we are seeing today is that the standards of the church are shifting as much as the standards of the world As times change, our standards change. So often we we are very bold up front, and we come over here and we say, "Satan, don't cross this line. You can't have my family. You can't have my children. You can't have my possessions, my future. No." But so often here we are. Imagine with me. This is your house. This is your legacy. Your kids are in here. Your future is in here. Your possessions. Everything that you would guard with everything in your heart. Here it is. And so often we come over here and we say, you know what, Satan? My family's over there. Don't cross this line. Whatever you do, you can't cross this line. I'm a child of God. And then guess what happens? Society happens. Culture happens. Politics happens, social media happens, and what we drew the line there for five years ago, now we're like, is it really that bad? Come on. Is it it really that bad if I support that or if I go to that place or if I do it? it's really not. So Satan, here's the new line. Whatever you do, Satan, and what you're doing, you are lowering your standards. You are moving it back. And as you lower your standards, the devil's getting closer to your possession. He's getting closer to your house. He's getting closer to your legacy. And then here we are again. We say, Satan, whatever you do, don't cross the line. You know, I got everything over there. And then what happens? Culture happens. Society happens. Politics happens. We follow, we, we, we want to get on the the trends. We follow Hollywood. We look what's happening on social media. And then guess what? We start to bend. We start to, our faith bends, our, our integrity, our standards start to shift and we lower them. And then guess what? He's closer to our house. And now guess what? In America, even in the church, we've lowered our standards so much that now Satan is on our front doorstep. And we're wondering why life is so crazy. It could be because you have lowered your standards. And now, guess what? Now the line is in the living room. Now the line is in the bedroom. And we're wondering why marriages in the church are failing. It's because we've lowered our standards. And before you know it, he was over there. And now he has taken possession of everything along the way. And now he's in our house. And now he's all up in our business. Everything has shifted. He's stealing everything he comes in contact with. But listen, Isaiah fifty nine nineteen says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will what he will lift up, he will raise a standard against him that verse you, we, in, 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 in uh, Pentecostal circles is one of those that makes you want to shout. But then you're like, what does that even mean? You ever been there like, that's good. But what does that even mean? He's raising a standard. What that means is here we are, we are lowering it. But when he comes in like a flood, he's raising it. He's looking at the devil and saying, devil, you don't understand. This is my child. Devil, you don't understand. He's been washed in the blood. Devil, you don't understand. He's got oil all over him. You'll never be. Have you ever tried to touch something that's oily? You can't catch it. That's why you need the Holy Ghost on you. That's why you need the oil of the spirit. Every time he grabs you, he can't get it. You don't understand, Satan. He's got the oil on him. You'll never be able to catch him. You don't understand. And he's raising us. Did, did you forget, Satan, that, that I sent my son to die on the cross for him? Did you forget there's still power in the blood that he shed on Calvary? Did you Did you forget that that grave is empty and now he has ascended and he's at my right hand? Did you forget that the blood still's got the power and the oil still has the power? He's raising the standard. And this is what happens. We've lost it. But as he moves it forward, guess what? He's regaining. He's moving into the devil's territory. And every time he's taking back what he stole from you. We sing this song, well, I went to the enemy's camp. And that's another shouter, but you don't even understand what it means. You've got to raise a standard if you want to get in the devil's territory. You've got to raise the standard if you want everything he has stolen from you back. Raise the standard. Because when he raises the standard, he is raising up a standard that the enemy cannot overcome. And instead of moving back, he's moving it back to what he stole from you. Look at verse 4. David and the people who were with him, Lifted up their voices and they wept and they cried the verses until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been in a sick-like season where you were crying and weeping? You're walking around, people are like, what's wrong with you? And they, but they have no idea what you're going through. And it feels like you have wept so much there's no more tears in your brain to cry out. Anybody ever been there? He was at that point. David is one of the most mighty men of a generation. David was a warrior, but I want to say sometimes, even warriors need to weep every once in a while. There will be places and times when your tears start to have power. There will be seasons when your tears are like a language that speaks loudly to the heavens. David said in Psalms 42, 3, my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me, where is your God? He said, these tears have been feeding me and giving me power while my enemies are saying, where is your God even at? There will be seasons when we try our best to even walk into the church and look like you've got it all together. Well, you well, you you just you don't want anybody to know the attack you've been in. You don't want anybody to know where you were last night. And you walk in here looking all cute, looking all cute with your weave on and your new heels, looking all like you got it all together. Let me tell you something. I want to tell you, even warriors have got to weep sometime. And I want to remind the church today that weeping may endure for the night, but your joy is coming in the morning, it's coming back. Verse six said, "David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke, astounding him." my, mama, my, my. don't this sound like people in the world today? The very people he was leading now want him dead. The very people that he's been leading and teaching and empowering, going to visit, bringing food, now they can't stand him. He's been leading and caring, and now they're turning their backs and wanting to stone him. See, it's one thing when your enemy wants you dead. But when your old friends and family want you dead, it's another thing. It's one thing when the world wants you dead. But it's another thing when somebody sitting across the church wants you dead. Preach, preacher. Keep on preaching. That's good today. I got to do it myself. It's one thing when somebody don't have your back, but it's another thing when the family of God or or your own family in your house starts stabbing you in the back. We are in a time right now in America, one of the most divisive times in the church ever. And the enemy has been sowing seeds and he's dropping seeds now and continues to sow seeds of discord all throughout the body, trying to disarray the body of Christ. And we have forgotten that we are not enemies with other churches, but we are on the same team. I told first service, I'm not fighting against another church. I refuse to. You can hate me, you can hate my church. I'm not fighting with you. I said, I'm not fighting against another church. I'm not fighting with other pastors. I refuse it. You may not like me, you may not, you may think I'm too rowdy. You may not like our lights. You may not, I don't care. I'll get emails, I get phone calls from leaders all the time. They don't like something I said, they don't like speaking in tongues, they don't like that I dance. Guess what? That's all right. Quit watching me on live stream. (laughs) I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. I've got too many demons trying to kill me. I got a phone call several weeks ago and I think they were mad that I did not get mad at them. I said, thank you. Thank you for calling me. You just help me pray about that. They didn't like it that I had a woman preacher. Woo! Praise the Lord. I said, "I'm so sorry that that upsets you." You you just help me pray about it. Bye. I'm not taking the bait of Satan. I'm not taking that mess. I can see through that. I saw that coming a mile away. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not biting that and then me turning around and getting all mad and all bitter. No, 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 no. I'm not. I, I, I don't want a bitter cloud to be over Legacy Church because somebody hurt my feelings. You, that's why the church, we've got to guard the body of Christ. You've got to guard the body. We've got, we've got, uh, we've got our own guards here. You know, we've got, we've got people out here doing security that's watching things while you're in here. Throughout the week, you're, you were supposed to be like a security guard. Don't you talk about my church like that. Oh, no, I know you didn't say that. That's why whenever somebody comes up to me and starts doing this, I just stomp it out. I ain't having it. Why? Because I'm guarding the unity of the body. Because what you do not guard, Satan will walk his way into it. I've heard heard preachers say, there ain't no devil that can come in here. Yes, the devil can walk through your church door. If you're not unified, and you ain't worshiping, and you got resting worship face. He will walk right in whenever you're not guarding it. And he will walk right in and sit next to you and say, if I were you, that pastor hadn't fed you in two weeks. You look spiritually anorexic. If I were you, I'd leave that place. (laughs) He didn't even look at you when you walked in the door. Look at sister so-and-so over there. She ain't talked to you in a month. If I were you, I'd leave that church. It's funny, but it's real. And if you don't guard it, Satan will walk right in here on a Sunday morning, and he will steal the fire from the altar. He will steal the oil from your forehead. He will steal the gifts. He will, he will walk in. When, when, whenever the, 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 the worship team's up here, they're try, up here trying to stir up the gifts, he will walk in and be like, I'll calm that down. You've got to guard what you don't want Satan to steal. That's why we, as the bride of Christ, we've got to guard the unity. The devil wants churches divided. He wants families divided. He wants children mad at their parents. Why? So you can't get together and you can't fellowship the way God created your family. The body of Christ, the family of God, should never turn on one another. Can I get an amen this morning? The Bible says, as a result of this, David looked around and saw every one turning on him and the word says David strengthened himself in the Lord. One version says he encouraged himself. I just encouraged myself when I said preach, preacher. There will be times when you need encouragement. But everyone around you is discouraging There will be times when nobody sees the goodly in you. They just remember what you did when you were a teenager. There will be times when nobody notices your improvements. They're they're not gonna notice your new hair. They're not gonna notice you lost 10 pounds. They're not gonna notice your new shoes, your new pumps, your new bag. They're not gonna notice those things. There will be times when you just need a positive word and every negative Nancy that the devil made will be in your path that day. It's that, it's in this day and in this time, the bride of Christ has to learn to encourage herself. Well, where I come from, if you're talking to yourself, you're crazy. You remember last week I talked about being crazy? Sometimes you got to talk to yourself. Sometimes you got to walk down Broad Street and talk to yourself. I don't care people looking at you. Say, I'm just I'm encouraging myself in the Lord right now. <laughs> Sometimes when you get up in the morning, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself, "Self, you're going to make it today. Self, victory is coming to your house. Victory uh, self, joy is coming back to you. Self, your peace is coming back. Self, your mind is getting back under control. Self, you are going to make it today. You got to encourage yourself. Sometimes you got to pray for yourself. Sometimes you got to lay hands on yourself. I do it all the time. I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'll be in my oh, Lord, help me right now. Lord, help me. Jesus. Sometimes you got to catch your own self. Sometimes you got to cover your own self up. I've been discouraged, but you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm expecting you to move. I'm going to go ahead and lay myself down. Mmm. Uh, I feel like he's about to do something for me. I may be all by myself. Where's my oil at? Wipe it all across your forehead. Might as well just go ahead and lay yourself down and say, I'm going to make it today. I don't care what they said about me. I don't care what they write about me. But guess what? The Lord's raising me up. I'm raising my standards. And before you know it, you'll start to raise yourself up. You're going to get victory like you never had it before. When you start to encourage yourself in the Lord. Never would have made it. I would have lost it all. But now I see how you should have been there for me. Never would have made it if I did not encourage myself. Too many people, you want your pastor to lay hands on you. I can't be everywhere. I'm not an octopus, I just got two hands. There's some days I don't have a word for myself. You got to encourage yourself. David encouraged himself in what? David encouraged himself in his bank account? No. David encouraged himself in his possessions? No. David encouraged himself by looking to see how many new followers he got this week? No. He encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How are you encouraging yourself? David not only encouraged himself, but in verse 8 says that he prayed. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, said, pursue. He prayed. He caught a revelation in the middle of trouble. I love it when I'm in trouble. I love it when I'm at a place where I feel like what am I supposed to do? And I catch a revelation in the middle of my sick life, He realized that he didn't have the answer, but he needed a supernatural strategy from heaven. And he began to pray. Has anybody in the house today, you feel like I've been in that place where I don't know where I am. I don't know where I'm going. My mind is confused. I don't know if I'm supposed to stay at that job, get a new job. I don't know if I'm supposed to stay married. I don't know if I'm supposed to go to school. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm believing that in this hour for this body, That God is releasing supernatural strategy upon this house this morning. I said, God is releasing supernatural strategy. You will never see victory until you pray. Woo! How simple. You may see a fix. You may see a tweak, you will not see victory until you pray. The Bible says that he prayed and the Lord heard him and spoke. And he answered him. He said, Pursue. He didn't say, Sit there. He didn't say, Go to your pastor. He didn't say, Turn on Oprah to see what she says. He didn't say, Ask Dr. Phil. He said, you get up and you pursue for you shall surely overtake them and without fail, recover it all. To pursue means to run after, to, clo- to follow so closely you could attack it. You cannot pursue something sitting on the bench. Bench warmers. was watching volleyball this week and there was a couple little girls they never got out there on the bench you can't pursue on the bleachers you got to get on the field and in this hour God is calling the church get off the bench and get on the field get on the battlefield with the Lord today he's calling to the church see in order for this to happen you got to get aggressive. Back in the 90s, that was the best cheer. Be aggressive, be n- aggressive, aggressive. That was it. Be aggressive, be aggressive. You got to get aggressive didn't call the church to be a bunch of pansies. I've seen some of you at football games. I've seen some of you at basketball games and it looks like you could rip that ref's head right off his shoulders. Y'all will fight with family. You'll fight on Facebook. You'll fight with a stop sign but the devil walks up. You can't even say boo to the devil. about you, but I want everything that he has stolen from me, I want it back now. It said David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day not a man of them escaped. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued two of his wives and nothing of theirs was lacking either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them David recovered it all. I'm tired of lacking because of what the devil has stolen I'm tired of the church lacking resources because the devil has stolen from you I'm even more disgusted and not what he has stolen, but what we have given him because we didn't guard it. I feel like today we are moving into a recovery room season. Some of y'all, you're still trying to get together from COVID. You're still trying to get your mind. You still have fear over COVID. Some churches are still like just Barely hanging on because of what COVID stole from them. I'm declaring it today. This house is moving into a recovery room season. You know what the recovery room is? The recovery room is where you wake up. You ever been in a recovery room? Over the fourth, July 4th weekend, I had had my appendix. Is that what I had taken out? Appendix. I'm still recovering. I woke up in the recovery room. You look around that place. People are like, <sighs> I'm like, where am I? What am I doing? The recovery room is where you get your mind back in order. They leave you there for a moment to be sure that you're going to wake up. They leave you there. Recovery room is where you kind of get adjusted. It's kind of where you get to sleep out of your eyes. The recovery room is where you kind of look at yourself before they take you throughout the halls and everybody's looking at you while you lay in there in some little gown. Get yourself together in the recovery room. You wake up in the recovery room. You get your sight back in the recovery room. You get your mind back in the recovery room. You get your promises back in a recovery room. You get your dreams back in a recovery room. You get everything that he's promised back in a recovery room. The church has been in the operating room long enough. The church has been in the ER long enough. God, I need it right now. No, we are moving. Legacy Church is moving into a recovery season.